Okay, hello and welcome to OTC Podcasts. Today we have uh, Claire Hopkins who will be talking to Marion Hennessy in relation to supported employment and employer engagement. So I'm going to hand over to Claire now. Thank you very much. Hello everyone, my name is Claire Hopkins and I'm the course director of the Certificate in Supported Employment. I'm delighted to chat to Marion Hennessy about employer engagement today. And Marion, you're a highly experienced, experienced professional, so it's great to tap into your expertise. Tell me a little bit more about yourself before we get started. Hello, Claire. I'm, I'm employed as a support employment coordinator um, for Co Foundation based here in Cork City. I've worked for well, I've worked in support employment for over 20 years um, mm. as a job coach, a team leader, and now as a coordinator leading a team developing a new employment service. It's known locally here as Ability at Work. Mm-hmm. And we provide a variety of training and employment opportunities for young people with intellectual disability and autism in our rehabilitative training centres and our adult day services. The job seekers um, can complete, complete work placements and internships, get upskilling and gain qualifications and take up support at work. We're always trying to find new and innovative ways to engage with employers and to capture their attention. So I'm very happy today to share with you the many ways I engage with employers. Oh, thanks very much, Marion. And it's a really important topic, isn't it? And it's a skill set that employment facilitators have to develop because without employers, we're at nothing, aren't we? Um, <laughs> and uh, this has helped actually a lot with um, how diversity and equality has come more to the fore for employers and them needing to be more open to this to recruit and retain the skills and talents they need to be successful. And you see that more so now with the National Resource Service of Disability Employer Information and AHEAD and Employability. So creating an open and inclusive workplace culture is gradually changing from a nice-to-have to a must-have, or so it seems anyway. But first, you have to get the foot in the door and get to know employers, and this can be very intimidating and doesn't happen overnight. So in my experience to date while delivering the course and from my own experience as a job coach, um, employer facil- employment facilitators find this all quite intimidating. What do you think, Marion? Is that the case? Yes, this is definitely um, not easy approaching employers and looking for their time and making your business case. It really can be a very tough job, and for many people, they don't actually realise all the hard work that goes in behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, it's time-consuming. You need a lot of energy, and you definitely need perseverance. Yeah. Um, after all, what you're trying to do is make a lasting impression with that company, um, that this company will hear what you have to say and will engage with you. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? So that you have to start somewhere. And the best thing to do is those tried and tested ways to build up your own confidence as a professional and to become known as a viable recruitment option. So it's all about ultimately paving the way to mutually, mutually, I think I said, <laughs> mutually beneficial <laughs> partnership. Uh, so let's start with some of those tradi- traditional ways, Marion. So I suppose in the past I just used a lot of um, ways of dealing with employers and it's so challenging to get this right. I use um, a lot of the traditional ways, like writing to companies, yeah. contacting them through their HR departments, their job application processes, and phoning up, emailing, mm-hmm. and asking for appointments to speak to them 
about our employment programme. Sometimes it's useful um, to suggest that you'd like to develop maybe a partnership or run a pilot project. And sometimes yeah. that can be the hook to catch them, to catch their interest. The buzzwords. But I think it's very important to research the company and look at their needs and try and aim your marketing around this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, government agencies like partnerships and multinationals like things like diversity inclusion mm-hmm. um, programs. Whereas if you're looking at companies that are trying to be cost effective, you're looking at kind of maybe targeting or customizing employment options that meet their business needs. Yeah. Um, I tend to watch out for the current vacancies that have been advertised and try and make contact with their HR people and speak to them directly. Yeah. Um, I also find that people can be very enthusiastic, but they're very difficult to pin down through email. You know, they just don't seem to maybe get back to you or answer your emails. Yeah. So that part I'm finding is difficult to judge when it's time to pull back and stop contacting them, really, you know. Um, I suppose it's good if you've got an excuse to drop by and leave in your card or say hello or possibly, you know, bump into them at some networking event. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So you find, like, the face-to-face is initially more effective, really, than the emailing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, networking, you know, is so important. The face-to-face contact, wherever you can, I suppose, job coaches, really, they never they never stop working. They use absolutely every opportunity to network. Yeah. It, it's really very important. Um, and, you know, never underestimate the power of your own personal contacts as well. Yes. Yeah, so I think it can be worthwhile within your own organization mm-hmm. to have a look at who do you actually interact with. So if you sat down and did an exercise like um, profiling your community, mapping who in, who do you interact with in your organization, and just to look at how many organizations and groups and employers that you actually interact with. Yeah, because local knowledge is essential, isn't it then? So tell us a bit more about that profiling. Yes, so I suppose um, just even from within your own organization, if you were to look at who are your suppliers, who are those essential services that you engage with, who actually makes money from your organization. Mm-hmm. You know, look at then your board of management that's usually made up of very influential business people yeah. in your local community, and they have contacts. Um, talk to the CEO of your own organization, he or she, they're engaging every day with influential people in the, the town or the city where you're working, yeah. through the HSE, through colleges, um, through business groups. Um, they'll have working relationships with people in the community already, and they're the decision makers who can open up the doors for you. Um, another option would possibly interview your own staff within your own organization and parents and see would they be willing to share their business contacts with you. I'd also suggest um, engaging with employability and intrio and recruitment agencies and the training boards yeah. so that you become the go-to person in your area for support and employment. Um, I'd also talk to your competitors and see how can you interlink and help each other. Yeah, and what have you learned from doing all that hard work? I suppose over the years from interacting with all these agencies, um, I find I've developed a personal connection. You know, you try and make yourself be that friendly voice on the other end of the phone the person that they find is very helpful when they need um, advice or help. Um, I find when you help another organization, there will be a payback yeah. later on in the future. 
you may need them as a partner for a funding application or you may need a referral to their service. Um, and by personalising your connections with these organisations, you'll be the first person to be contacted about courses and training and work opportunities. You've really got to be ahead in terms of information and be up to date with the changes in your business, in your community, in social welfare, changes in employment law and schemes and, you know, current disability issues. Yeah. And you need to make sure that you are the go-to person in their mind. Yeah. That's really excellent. Um, but what's actually come to mind now as I was listening to you is that does your service have a single point of contact for, say, an employer or somebody from an ETB so that they're not being approached by a number of people from your team? Yes. Well, this is a very, very hard lesson we've learned over the years. Yeah, so did I, so did I yeah, <laughs> way back when. <laughs> yes. Um, Co-Foundation is a very large organisation here in Cork. Yeah. And we've over 35 centres across Cork City and County supporting over 2,000 people. We have lots of staff and lots of enthusiastic staff doing wonderful things. Too enthusiastic. We often found <laughs> we were actually competing against ourselves yeah. and find our competitors. <laughs> yeah, that's a similar story I've heard before, definitely. Yeah. So what we've had to do here is we've had to restructure our service where each centre now has a designated job coach or job facilitator. Right. And that person liaises liaises with me the ability of work coordinator right and then i would organize the necessary job coaching support from my team yeah. or organize it directly with the center to ensure it's just myself or the job coach contacting the employer i think this is really important in terms of best practice and quality delivery of service and god forbid all these mixed messages that everyone delivers that's there's more than three or five people contacting the same employer yeah it, it makes us look so unprofessional. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So, like, when we're competing in the business world, we need to make sure that we're being business-like as well. Yeah, which is hard if you're seen as a disability organisation and not as a, a recruitment agency or an option in that field, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when you're out there and you're working with companies, you want to be taken seriously and you want to be as professional as they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned earlier on about being up to date with changes in your business community, and you said that you found the Chamber of Commerce really uh, worthwhile being a member of them. Oh, and our experiences here was because it's just really worthwhile joining up with Cork Chamber of Commerce. And yeah. um, I found it very important attending chamber events and meeting people and talking about what we do. And you, you know, you always find that people are very interested in these events. And it's a great way to build relationships or even to get an introduction. Yeah. You'll always find that everybody knows somebody that works within Cope Foundation or perhaps they have a personal story themselves, you know, a family member. Mm -hmm. I have a child with a disability. Yeah. Uh, we joined Cork Chamber way back in 2013. Right. And they did a lot of work for us in promoting our employment services and our programs. And they opened up links to larger companies particularly the multinationals who we never had any success with previously. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a really good in. So, like, who who um, are these multinationals? So, I suppose we have a cluster of um, large multinationals down here in Cork. We would have a lot of IT companies mm. and uh, pharmaceutical companies. So, at the moment, we've worked with people like Trend Micro, they're a virus software company, VMware, Voxpro, Janssen, um, Dupuy, Lily, 
um, Little and Johnson and Johnson. Nice. Wow. And we have a lot of clusters here who are very eager to have diverse, inclusive workforces. Yeah. And they have provided very valuable uh, job placements and job shadow opportunities for us before. But really having the backing of Cork Chamber of Commerce out of the professional layers of what we were doing, you know, they, they just made it easier to open the doors to those large organizations and we actually got very different opportunities from them. Yeah, definitely, God. Um, so tell me a little bit more about what this involves, though. So um, I suppose the opportunities that uh, these groups were involved with, that initially they were saying to us that they would like to volunteer with, with us in COPE. So we would attend job fairs and networking events, um, award nights, barbecues. We'd get invitations to, to things that we never had before. Yeah. And, and you know, places like maybe small firms associations, Cork Women's Network, Business Network, yeah. to colleges and IT um, colleges and that as well. Yeah, wow. And um, have you had a, an opportunity to involve employers in your service? So I would attend monthly um, early breakfast meetings and evening networks, and sometimes I would be invited to attend networking events to speak at events or have the opportunity to pitch to our business um, our business to members. Companies may, might invite me to do some disability awareness training for yeah. their employees attend their diversity and inclusion work days. I'd also work very closely in our own fundraising department within Co Foundation and share connections and contacts. I suppose, you know, the message really is uh, to use every opportunity to get your message across. Absolutely. And would these types of companies have diversity and inclusion days regularly? Is that like a, a yearly thing? or? Yeah, I find that they're, they're happening annually, especially with the bigger companies. Yeah. And they would invite us to, to become, become involved. Yeah, wow, okay. And then in turn, have they become involved in your service in COPE? Yes, we get offered some companies to do a lot of physical voluntary work within COPE, you know, maybe some gardening or painting. Yeah. So lately we've been turning this offer around by asking for support like team building events and mentoring and providing job search coaching workshops. Great, um, yeah. So this is now leading to work offers and tasters. Yeah. And we're trying to get this opportunity based back in their own companies so we get the foot in the door. Yeah. And it inevitably leads to building a bond and offer of work. Well, that's it. That's an excellent way of making um, making it work for both sides, isn't it? But I suppose Absolutely. it it depends on their business needs and their disability confidence. Absolutely. Many of the companies really want to get involved, and, and they want to do this, but they just don't know where to start or how to set it up. Yeah. They can be extremely nervous because yeah. they really want to make it work, but on the other hand, they're very busy. Yeah. Um, and after all, usually just one person with a real strong social conscience who's promoted this idea within the company. And often, you know, they're met with opposition and barriers from their managers. Yeah. But kind of this is our cue at that stage then to say, you know, don't worry, we can manage this for you. We can put all this in place. We have the support and we have the staff, you know. Um, and I find at this time it's good that, you know, we'd suggest maybe visits to our centres and letting the employers come in and meet our job seekers or maybe getting our job seekers to go out to their company and make presentations and tell their stories. Um, and sometimes we invite employers to come and speak at our graduations. Great. Yeah. 
And what kind of barriers now, just to go back on what you just said there, that, you know, they might, they're really determined to make it work, but they're, they're often met with barriers. The kind of leader within a company really wants this to happen. What types of things come up for them? Well, I suppose, again, you know, it might be time constraints, yeah. but um, some employers, um, you know, maybe just getting a whole team to agree. There may be issues around, um, you know, they might be worried about insurance, yeah. people coming on site, um, you know, will there be liability on their part? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're the difficult questions, and you have to deal with them because, you know, everybody must be treated exactly the same in employment. Yeah. Um, and then it's their decision whether or not they want to, to come with us um, over those insurance issues, you know. Yeah, absolutely. There's been two really prominent um, initiatives, the Job Shadow and the Grand Job Campaign. Can you tell me a yes. bit more about how you found them? Okay, so I suppose this year was our 11th year participation in the National Job Shadow Initiative. God, it's 11 um, years, is it? My goodness. Excellent. Yeah, That's um, aged me. I just found that being a member of the Irish Association of Support and Climate just a fantastic resource and support to me and my job. Um, just the whole idea of the National Job Shadow Day was just an absolute marvellous addition to our marketing toolkit. Um, you know, the IAC, they provide you with brochures, promotion mm-hmm. material, um, and a how-to guide, a step-by-step for employers. And the employers are really delighted with this because it's an opportunity to be involved in a national event, you know. This is, um, you know, it's re- it's an easy one. It's a one-day, yeah. so it's not a huge commitment on That's their it. part, you yeah. know. I think it's great from our side of it because all the material is so professional yeah. and so well developed and produced and um, it's just a really really good standard to start with a company yeah and um, the whole the one day event really you know it really quickly turns into office of further work placements and jobs um, and i found that over the years i've built very strong relationships and great friendships across organizations you know i can't express how useful job shadow is it's so cheap and easy to run it's easy to promote and um it's very memorable with the public. You know, it's now, you know, people have become very familiar with the brand and the event is a tiny, you know, when it runs in April every year. Um, and I find with companies that the job shadow has a really wonderful, um, you know, a, a good feel factor for the job seeker and the employer. Yeah. And definitely. even this year now, um, we ran a very successful award ceremony where we invited employers in on the day as well to receive their certificates. And you can just see the wonderful sense of achievement amongst the job seekers as well. Yeah. Oh, really counts, so this year it? we had 94 people out on job seeking placements and we had 73 companies engaged. That's excellent. And are they all, like, would they be small, like, front of our way of putting it, corner shots? Or is it a mixture of medium it's size? Absolutely, across the board yeah. from public bodies like Cork County Council, University Hospital, the universities, um, the local spar shop, the local petrol station. It really was based on whatever interest the person had. Yeah, that's excellent. Fair play. And then there's the Grand Job Campaign. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I suppose we reached a dilemma in 2012 and 2013. We had a situation where a lot of people we had placed out on support and employment were struggling and they were losing their jobs. It was really d- direct impact of the recession. 
Um, and we also had little or no work opportunities and people coming through our training centres. So we sat down and we decided to develop an advocacy campaign called the Grand Job Campaign for one year here in Cork. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with the slang in Cork, but... <laughs> You know, if everything's fine, it's grand job. <laughs> so that's where we got the idea. Oh, yeah, it's really good, yeah. Um, so this was a huge project. There was enormous planning went in behind it. Um, we invited several partners in the community to come in and advise us, and we had Cork Chamber of Commerce again behind us for this one. Yeah. So we launched an employment drive to attract as many employers across Cork as we could, and we set a target of securing 10 paid jobs for the year. We designed a lot of prof- um, professional promotional material and information packs, and um, we launched a campaign with the support of the Senate of Cork Chamber. So each month we would update um, the Cork community with information and updates of the campaign through Twitter and Facebook. And behind the scenes, we were daily contacting employers, arranging meetings and presentations. Yeah. Um, we'd also issue press releases as well. Yeah. One year later, we'd actually secured 17 jobs out of this initiative. That's excellent. Wow. And, three, and three years on now, um, 12 people are still working. Still working. Jobs. That's brilliant outcomes. My God, it really, that is a testament now to what this whole podcast is about, about initiating contact, getting the foot in the door, developing a relationship so that you can do a big, huge campaign like that. Yeah. And, it, you know, I found it was very worthwhile because... It really gave us a sound business case for our organisation to yeah. demonstrate the positive outcomes That's of it. running a campaign like this. Yeah. And it really has helped us then to go forward looking for further funding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fair play. That's excellent insight into how to engage with employers. Um, I don't think we've anything else to add. Um, no, I don't yeah. think so. That was no. very comprehensive, Marion. Yeah, um, thank you so much. A- absolutely, that was very Thanks informative for us and also for anybody who listens to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, j- just one question I want to ask. Oh yeah, go ahead. Is basically, yeah. I suppose if if I was a job seeker within within Cope Foundation, for example, or any organisation, yeah. how long does it take to actually get onto the shop floor? difficult and it's it's so individualized and unfortunately it's not even just around the job seeker but it can be down to the employer often I get a promise from an employer and I go back and I find the person identify and match the person and we're ready to go and then suddenly the emails die and you're having no more contact so it can actually take you know it can be very quick it could be a matter of maybe a couple of weeks or even You know, a bigger organisation might be looking at four, five, six months before we actually get the whole process completed. No, no, that's that's excellent. It was just, and I suppose, absolutely taking it on board that it is, it's it's an individualised approach, and not only you're dealing with the individual job seeker, you're dealing with the individual employer. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. and in relation to the job, the person who's the job facilitator within Cope. What sort of skills do they really need to have in relation to be successful at this particular job? Well, ideally, we would hope that um, the person would have completed one of the courses in support employment. Oh, well done, Marion. Definitely, that they would be very familiar with the IAC toolkit. We would, that would be yeah, our Yeah, it is excellent, definitely, yeah. Would use, and then we use in-company training as well. We train job facilities facilitators for job shadow and we will be doing more intensive training now with people as we move on um, to 
employ more job coaches yeah. within the company. And do you find, like over the years, from my own experience, I would be working with job coaches who come out of out of the disability sector, and then I work with people who are job developers from the recruitment agency, mainstream kind of experience of recruitment. Yes. It's a real mixed bag of people that work in the sector. Is it, you know, the people who are coming out of the disability sector, do they have more of an edge? I don't know. It's hard to tell. We've had some very good people as well on yeah. the marketing side here. And um, I suppose for ourselves here, the people that have a long working relationship with the job seekers is definitely an advantage. Yeah. Because you really know all the pros and cons and you can really do that good job match and I suppose you have almost the predictability on the person's behaviours and yeah. attitudes and whether they'll hold down that job or not. Yeah. But sometimes you can put all that work in and then after a month they might say, I've had enough now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've tried that. That's yeah. enough, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. that's what I'm trying to get at is that the the edge of somebody coming out of the disability yeah. sector, they're not kind of weighed down with, you know, disability jargon and a mindset that they're a bit more confident maybe to talk to employers. Yes, I think I definitely think somebody that has a background in either sales or marketing, it definitely helps that they have the confidence to go out and, and sell and, you know, know their products really. Yeah, they have the passion. That's, that's what we're in the business of doing um, because sometimes when you're coming out of the disability sector, you're constantly coming out of our jargon, the new direction, yeah. Yeah. ITPs, the PCPs, yeah. um, oh, yeah. we're just not able to transfer over into um, the business world. That's the business world, that's it, nearly apologising for being there, that's what I find yes. is yeah. a kind of a yeah. temperament for a lot of the people that we work with over the years, and they have to kind of get out of that mindset and see themselves not as a carer or, you know, facilitator, yeah. but actually as a recruiter, yeah. you know, which is I, very I difficult. And, and it's not a, as a charity either. You exactly, know? yeah. And yeah. that's still you the know, case. Yeah, no, that definitely still is the case we find even recently. It's it's really interesting to see how the mindset is still there. Um, yes. Well, there you go. Well, listen. But I do find with the employers at the moment, I, yeah. this year, it's the very first year, and I'm, it's just a really lucky year for me. But I have, first time ever, I have companies coming to me. Um, you know, they're educated, they're informed, they're aware, and yeah. they want inclusive workplaces and are contacting us, which is fantastic. Oh, well done. That's a real testament then. Yeah. yeah. So, a good 10 years. Bravo, <laughs> Marion. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Oh, it comes to those who wait and work hard at it. Like, how do you keep so enthusiastic about it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been doing it so long at this stage. Um I, I don't know, I suppose everyone that you get across the line, it's just, yeah. the sense of achievement is amazing. And yeah. it's just seeing the transformation in their lives, seeing the difference you make. Um, yeah, I suppose I just love going out meeting people anyway every day. Yeah. It's just such variety, you know, you can be anywhere. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, You're learning all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. It's never boring. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll okay. finish up. Okay, well, thank you very much, okay. Marion. That was very informative. Um, okay. And it really came across your passion and your enthusiasm Absolutely. for this, okay. th- th- this particular role. And uh, just to say thank you to Claire thank for you. carrying out the interview. And um, thank you very much for listening. Yep. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.